0: Welcome to the Coast to Coast podcast. We are back here with episode 27. Finally back, sorry, Get a little, little two, three-week hiatus, something like that. But uh, I'm your host, Kyle Creasy. I'm here with both my co-hosts, Luke Walker and Emmett Ernzberger. Glad to have both these guys back. Glad that just all three of us could be back. Um, finally, you know, just a lot going on, but obviously with the season picking back up and starting here in a few weeks. It was time for us to get back, get into it. We've got a plan now for the weeks coming forward. So we're back with you once a week for a long time now with the season (laughs) approaching us. But today, you know, obviously a lot of things have happened, uh, a lot of small, minor things. But today we want to discuss the extension that Tyler Hero just signed, very big extension. Um, There was an article about the Lakers, how they kept their roster the same heading into training camp. So we want to discuss about that a little bit. And we have a topic that we think is going to be very interesting. We've picked what we think are the seven most intriguing teams and kind of like who has the who has the most drastic gap between their ceiling and their floor. And we're going to discuss those teams. We randomly picked who had to argue optimistically and pessimistically about each team. So we didn't go into any of this with any biases. We randomly selected it. We randomly selected who's going to talk about the team and who's going to be optimistic or pessimistic about it for those seven teams. Um, And then we're going to cap it off with finally our positional rankings uh, coming to an end here with our top 10 centers. So uh, first off, guys, the Tyler Hero extension, you know, it came out the other day. you know, this was a topic conversation throughout the entire summer was if Tyler Hero was going to be able to come to an agreement with the Miami Heat on extension. They ended up doing it, um, and it was four years, $130 million, pretty much averaging out at around $32.5 million a year uh, after this season whenever it kicks in. As of next year, the, the way things are right now next year, he would be a top 50 highest paid player in the entire league. Um And that's somebody that's not a starter currently. In his last two playoffs, he's averaging 12 points, um, four assists and three rebounds on 39% shooting, 25% from the three-point line, 94% from the free throw line. Uh, Just real quick, and then we'll talk about it more in depth, but what was your initial reaction to the extension?
1: I gagged. That's (laughs) as simple, like, I am not a Tyler Hero fan, I'll say it way overpaid I'm fine with you paying them I'm fine with you keeping them but at that price it's ridiculous yeah dude I I was happy that Tyler hero got an extension
2: but when I saw the number I thought like you've got to be joking me right now like there's no way they're signing him on that number I just I I don't like it
0: I don't like it I I'm with you guys you know I'm not a big hero guy in general. I understand kind of what both of you are going at, like locking him in and like keeping him a part of the team. You know, you don't want to risk him going into restricted free agency and then he signs an offer sheet like this somewhere else and you just have completely lost him for nothing. But I just – this number is absurd. Absurd. Like he's not – the guys that have signed close to the extension that like he has right now, it's like Ja Morant, Zion, Darius Garland. Um, R.J. Barrett, and, like, he's nothing close to those guys right now. No, a big skill cap. Yeah, and God, um, do you know that he has a $1 million incentive that I sent? Oh, yeah, I sent it to you guys. He, the, but to our audience, there's a $1 million incentive if uh, Tyler Hero wins Defensive Player of the Year.
2: He, Dude, he will do that. If <laughs> he wins Player of the Year, I'll give him
0: another million. Like, that's <laughs> that's impressive. There's even more incentives. There's a $1 million incentive if he wins the MVP. Possible. Possible still. A $1 million incentive if he makes first-team All-NBA. A $1 million incentive if he makes second-team All-NBA. And a $1 million incentive if he makes third-team All-NBA.
1: Nick Collison had a better chance of winning MVP than Tyler Hero does.
0: I mean, they both had that incentive, and neither one of them are going to accomplish it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, but realistically, I feel like the Heat, I feel like they might have missed out on this offseason and maybe don't see anyone in their future offseasons, and maybe that's why they paid them up. I,
0: I guess. I just think better do something this year because you didn't do it last year and you lost a key piece, and now you're so crippled financially because normally the, the position that the Heat have been in, they've been crippled financially before, but not like what it's about to be like starting next season. I mean, you're talking about Jimmy's contract, who, although he's a great player, is going to be making $50 million. Yeah. Um, Bam out of is going to be making around $35, 36000000 Tyler Hero now going to be making around $32, 33000000 And Kyle Lowry making around $28, $29 million. Just uh, not, a lot of, not a lot of flexibility there. No, yeah, and, and the, like for Hero, I, I mean, like,
2: I, I don't think he's a bad player. I think he's a good player. But, like are we going off of one flash in the bubble to pay this man $130 million? Great. Like just- no, I,
0: I, I think the Miami Heat's argument would be that there's a little more than that considering what he did this past season, the regular season. But, I mean, I'm with you. When it yeah. matters, he's had three playoff runs. Only one of them was good, and it was the bubble, and everything since that has been atrocious. Yeah. Um. So I, I, I went and did a little, you know, researching on my own, looking at lineups and stuff. And in this past playoffs, when Tyler Hero was off the floor, they were in the 96th percentile in net rating, 98th percentile in defense. And, yeah, they were only in the 52nd percentile in offense. But when he was on the court, it was 32nd percentile in offense. So it's not like he was helping the one area that wasn't great. And they were the 25th percentile in net and 27th percentile in in defense. And when I say those categories, that's like, points per 100 possessions
1: yeah, yeah I just I I just don't like Tyler Hero I'm going to be honest I just don't like Tyler Hero. should not have given the money I, it doesn't make sense to me
0: that'll that'll never be like the worst contract in the league like there's always things no. that be worse but that's going to be a pretty that's going to be a pretty bad contract unless he for just basically gets better
1: yeah for me it's the situation though like you said they're paying all these people why throw money at someone i mean he might help you but he's not gonna help him if like if you're betting he's not gonna help him
2: well why throw that money also like i don't ever want to like prey on anybody's downfall like i have guys that i don't really care for like i still want them to succeed you know what i mean like i hope that this works out for the heat and i hope it works out for hero like i'm not mad at the guy for going and getting his money but i it's just I don't personally see how this could like potentially be worth it.
0: Man, and I my my first initial thought was they would have been better off trading this guy. Like Yeah. Look look at potential trade options opposed to doing this cuz this is crazy.
1: I mean, yeah, you, I'd take you, him with the Lakers. <laughs> yeah, I mean, me too, dude. <laughs>
0: like you could have could have maybe solved the issue at the 4 if you went and snooped around and saw what people were willing to give you for Tyler Hero and maybe, like, a draft pick or maybe Tyler Hero and another player or something. Like, you never know, which maybe they did go out and look around, but surely somewhere there would have been a trade that was going to be better payoff long-term than this. Yeah, you you think. And you, and, have, and to, you have to look at both sides. Maybe there's a situation where Hero keeps, keeps progressing, gets better and better, but it just doesn't look very promising right now.
2: No, it, it doesn't. I haven't seen anything that makes me feel like this guy could possibly be deserving of this money. Just if I'm being honest.
0: And I'm with you because he did have a real, like a really, really good regular season last year. Yeah. And I don't mean this as like a slight cause I, cause obviously when I say it this way, it is hard to do, but. It's not the craziest thing in the world if somebody goes and scores twenty points and drops four or five assists a game. That's not anything wild not- in today's NBA. We have almost fifty players in the league putting up twenty points a game. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I mean that's that's perfectly said, but like you just you really have to I'm I'm a person that and I think a lot of people would agree the playoffs have so much more weight. Obviously, oh, yeah. Obviously, you can't say that with teams that are barely making the playoffs or not making the playoffs. Like you just have to take what you can get with them. But when you're Miami, who considers themselves a championship contender right now, you have to yeah. evaluate what they do in the playoffs more than anything. And they have some players that really play well in the playoffs. And Tyler Hero is just not one of them. No, he's not.
2: He's not. And and if he can prove that he can then, then that's a different story to me. Like, if he can prove his worth, like, this year, if he can have a good regular season, kind of mirror what he did last year, but then show up when it really matters, that's a different story. Then I then I can see this guy getting that type of money. But until that happens, like, I just I, – I can't be
1: okay with it. Yeah, Hope hopefully the Heat spent their money well. But for me right now, Bam looks to be getting better. But everyone else, no slight to Jimmy Butler, it's either – they're in their peak or they're past their peak and i just i don't know if spending that money was the best option
0: i'm kind of with you on the jimmy thing like it's now or never with the heat with jimmy butler yeah. as the best player like you gotta that's that's an even better point to kind of keep going with this is like your championship window with jimmy butler is right now and it's not even i wouldn't even say it's a few years down the line it's like this year next yesterday year. yeah so you gotta make it happen and this just isn't one of those things that probably pays off this year if it ends yeah. up in good anyway, but, you know, I I love Jimmy
2: and, but I mean, he's not getting any younger and I don't really like, I just don't feel like they made any kind of a splash in the off season. So, I mean, it's, it's tough. I think, I think it's tough for the heat.
1: I mean, are we sure Jimmy's even still the same person? <laughs> I mean, his face looks different. I, I, I
0: if you, if you if you have not been following, Emmitt is referring to Jimmy Butler's hair and lack of facial hair. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess
1: that's what it is. He caught me off guard.
0: Yeah. Um, but time to move on. You know, enough with Tyler Hero. Just a big, big extension really caught me off guard, and I guess it caught you guys off guard as well. But we'll see how it pans out. But going along, um, the Lakers, they obviously kept the same team. Going into training camp, there's a lot of speculation on some deals that they might make, specifically with Utah and Indiana, um, but they didn't. You know, they went into training camp with the same big three as they did—big three in quotation marks—that um, they went into camp with last year, and they've got a, they've got different supporting pieces, but you know, nothing crazy. These guys aren't great NBA players, whatever. There's a reason that they're on minimum contracts, um, but we got an article from Shams, uh, Sam Amick, and Joven. The other day, all three of these guys do a great job of covering the league. Jovan is a uh, a Lakers writer for The Athletic, and Sam Emick and Shams are obviously just writers for The Athletic. Shams is, you know, creaming the crop up there with Woj. But these two, uh, the three of them, uh, they wrote this long article. I have a description to The Athletic, and I just had a bunch of takeaways, just bits and pieces, and I'm going to go over those real quick, and then we're just going to kind of discuss, you know, what we think about some of this stuff. But Obviously, Russ has not been traded, but it's still a very real possibility for Russ to be out of L.A. They're still searching options, but they're kind of playing with it right now, being optimistic of what Russ might be able to do with Darvin Ham as as the head coach. Um, The press conference with Darvin Ham and Rob Palenka was delayed because they actually thought that they might make the Indiana deal. So the Indiana deal was Russell Westbrook. And the 2027 first round pick and the 2029 first round pick, both unprotected for Buddy Heald and Miles Turner. The Pacers were ready to pull the trigger. Lakers, they were waiting on a Lakers answer, and Lakers ultimately decided not to make the deal. Um, Rob Palinka, Jeannie Buss, Kurt Rambis, Darvin Ham, they all had multiple meetings together discussing the trade. Um, They just, like I said, they decided not to. Palinka, and, and uh, Jeannie Buss are convinced that Ham will be able to utilize Russ a lot better than Frank Vogel did. I think that's hilarious yeah. uh, that they would think something like that. Um, the Lakers <laughs> the Lakers, this past offseason before this Indiana thing and even during the Indiana thing have looked at ways of trying to get Kyrie, Boyan Bogdanovich, who ended up in Detroit, and Jordan Clarkson. Uh, no luck on any of those, obviously. The Lakers have discussed multiple trade ideas with the Pacers since the summer. Some included just Miles Turner, some included just Buddy Heald, and obviously other ideas had both of them together. Um, The reason that a deal wasn't made is that the Pacers have demanded both first-round picks, rightfully so in my opinion, um, if they were to trade both of those guys, but the Lakers will not budge. They've tried to offer one first-round pick and some seconds – when THT was still there, they tried to throw him in with a first-round pick and some seconds, but the Pacers had demanded the two first. And in the Lakers' eyes, I'm not saying I agree with this. I'm just telling you what the Lakers think. In the Lakers' eyes, they are better off waiting and either getting something out of Russ or, or waiting on another potential move for another star or something than they are making this trade. They are not very comfortable, I don't think, at this point in time to make the deal for Turner and Heald because – Clearly, they are not of belief that if they bring those two in, that it would make them a championship, uh better quality championship team. Um, random tidbit here, but Shams wrote that sources say Kyrie is not a part of the Lakers plans next summer. So well. <laughs> obviously that's a lot. Um, it's it's shrinked down a ton, but that's still a lot. Uh, we all kind of talked about this whenever it came out, but After you kind of read through all that, like what's going through your head here and what do you think about the Lakers' decision? Let me just say that
2: if I'm LeBron James, I am absolutely livid because I know some people may have their opinion, but like there's an argument that this man is still the best player in the world. And I know that he feels that way. So how how old is he? Like, I mean, is, is LeBron 30? Do we have five years here? Like make a move. Like forget about some draft picks. Uh, I'm a Lakers fan, so obviously I'm a little biased on this, but I just I can't believe that they would sit there and say, "Well, we'll just hope something for something better in the future, or, you know, whatever their thought is on it. Um, and 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 maybe it's just the the inner Laker fan in me, but i I would love to see Westbrook come off the bench this year and be successful. Do I think it can happen? No. Do I think Westbrook is a, a good player in the league right now? I really don't um, – I, I, I don't know that I have any faith in the Lakers' front office right now. I've just uh, – it's starting to feel like we're the Knicks. Like, it's like the Lakers and the Knicks every offseason. Like, who are we going to get? I see Photoshop jerseys of this guy, this guy, and this guy. And then what happens? Absolutely nothing. I mean, like, the Knicks, like, wow, you got Jalen Brunson. Uh, Jalen Brunson's a great player. That's awesome. But, like, is that who you were expecting? Like, I thought for the longest time Kyrie was going to be a Laker. Kyrie's not a Laker, and apparently he's not even in their future plans. So,
0: so side note here that I think is funny, I get it. If you're the Lakers, no matter what, you have to pursue whatever option is out there. So, like, for instance, how Kyrie and Donovan Mitchell were both reportedly in some trade talks. Yeah, go call and see what it takes. I mean, I don't blame them, but Shams kind of wrote about, that they went, they tried to heavily approach both Kyrie Irving and Donovan Mitchell. And I'm just kind of sitting here like, what makes you think that with Russell Westbrook and two first-round picks that you're going to get one of those players? Like, try to go out and find something that can seriously improve your team right now.
2: Yeah, are we delusional? Like, do we think Russell Westbrook is that guy still?
1: Like, he's not. I mean, I do want to see Pat Bev and Russell Westbrook in a backcourt together. It will it be good? Probably not, but it'll be entertaining.
2: I would love to see back court together, not on the Lakers though. <laughs>
1: I mean Let me, I said it. Go ahead. I said it a few weeks ago. I I thought a team after Russell Westbrook trade for Miles Turner and Buddy Hield would arguably be the best team LeBron had played for, at least a yeah. team built around him with A D, Buddy, Miles Turner. I feel like that's a perfect combination of players. Pat at the one or someone else in there? I just I don't see why you don't make the trade. It's perfect.
0: So I'll 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 play some devil's advocate here as we kind of discuss this real quick before we move on. But let's say let's say that they pulled the trigger on it. Do you think that it in terms of risk versus reward, do you think that it is worth it to trade your only first round picks possible? To get two guys, one of which is Miles Turner that, that is going to be an unrestricted free agent next offseason, and the other Buddy Heald, who has two years left on his deal. Do you think that they it makes them good enough if they get those two players to where the risk is worth it?
1: Yes, but if they aren't, I can't remember the last time a LeBron team spent their draft pick well, anyways. So like <laughs> I'm I'm sending the picks away.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, like, I really don't care about the picks. And, like, I'm definitely a LeBron homer. So, it's like I I don't really care what happens after he's done there, you know. Uh, <laughs> but I, I don't care about the picks at all. I, I say go for it. I say that it makes them good enough to really compete this year. I'm not saying it makes them, uh, like, necessarily a championship contender. But I definitely think it puts them up there with – some of the better teams in the league and and being able to compete with them. So uh, if if it were me, I I would pull the trigger and I would go for it.
0: I'm with you guys. I just wanted to ask from that point of view, my my perspective on it would be kind of owe it to LeBron. I mean, if you get a player of his caliber to come to your franchise, you need to make whatever can happen to have a championship team happen. And I would say that that's probably what Rob Palenka had in mind but considering that LeBron A. D were in his ear about getting Russell Westbrook last offseason, he's probably trying to play a little too much hardball and thinks he's making the right decision here. And it's gonna it's gonna bite him just like he did last offseason. How you know the first the first time that he didn't make the right move, it's okay because they were in his ear so much. But now you're talking about like is Rob Polinka's job in jeopardy if we just sit here and another disaster happens with the Lakers. Well, but, let me tell you, because right that sure. would be two years completely wasted. Yeah, LeBron on their franchise because I know they weren't the greatest year before, but they were doing really well until like LeBron and Anthony Davis both got hurt two years ago. But like yeah. last year was just a completely wasted year, and this year, trending the way it's trending right now, it's going to be the same way.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm going to add to your point too. You said you owe it; they owe it to LeBron. They also owe it to Anthony Davis. They brought him in. They told him he was going to be the centerpiece right there with LeBron. And he obviously doesn't want to play the five. And I understand they brought in Bryant. And he's, Anthony Davis is supposed to be playing the four this year. But, like, the opportunity to get Miles Turner to be a true center and allow Anthony Davis to free up some space and not have to worry about who's playing the five, it, I mean, it all makes sense to me.
2: I agree with you, Emmett, on that. But also, like, Anthony Davis has to stay healthy. That's true. You know? But I, I agree with everything you
0: said. I would even say, like, I, I guess to an extent they owe it to Anthony Davis. But the reason I say specifically they owe it to LeBron is they, they got AD via trade. LeBron, yeah. they convinced in free agency straight up just to come there. So if yeah. you get him to come there just just because and with his free agency decision, you got to provide. Like, you got to take – you got to keep your end of the bargain, which they did one year. They won a championship. But you have to do it like to the extent and he just extended there. So I don't know if that made Polinka more comfortable or something to like not have to trade these two first or anything. But I don't know, man. It's a mess. Last night there I know it's preseason, but when you're getting blown out in preseason what? games after you just had a bad season, it's not a good look. And what are they
2: seventy five points last night? Yeah,
0: seventy five points. They lost by thirty. That's
1: <laughs> unacceptable. The ghost of Caruso carries on.
0: And uh did you guys see there was a clip of Russ because he just got blown by and then he just kind of stood there and then he tried to recover because he realized the play wasn't over yet. And then they kicked it out to a shear and he didn't even run to go close out or anything. He was just typical Russ on defense things.
2: Well, let me let me like how crazy is it? Like, think about the state of this team right now. They are asking Russell Westbrook at Media Day if he feels Wanted by the Lakers, like, never want <laughs> one of the four members of your team being asked that immediately. It's almost like DeAndre Ayton being like, Yeah, I'm here, you know. Like, it, it's 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 crazy, dude. I, I, it's 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 insane. And Rob Polinka, if LeBron, if I'm Rob Polinka and LeBron signs that extension, like, I would take that as wow, I'm lucky that he signed this extension. Like, let's make a move, dude. I, I just, I don't know. Yeah, I
0: mean. It's a lot. Um, but we've talked about the Lakers a ton, and we'll probably talk about them again next week. <laughs> like, you know, it just kind of happens. I'm sure. with how it much. Was- well, by default, we'll talk about them some next week. Yeah. But, um, I'm sure we'll talk about them as season goes on because they're going to continue to be a mess. So we'll hold off for now, but just complete disaster over there. We'll see. But now the fun part, part we've been really looking forward to, our biggest drastic differences between ceiling and floor of a team like i said we got seven teams we'll name them as we go not going to name them all right now leave a little bit of surprise element there but we've ranked them from least intriguing to most intriguing so not necessarily the not necessarily the smallest gap from ceiling and floor to biggest gap just what we think are the least intriguing ones to the most intriguing ones um first one we have got the Portland Trail Blazers. So, of our six most drastic ceiling and floor changes, we've got the Blazers first. And we're starting out with this one on the optimistic side of things. So, Luke, tell us why we should be optimistic about the Trail Blazers this season.
2: Well, let me ask you all a question first. Is Dame Lillard still Dame Lillard? No. The, answer, the answer is yes. Dame Lillard is still the leader of this team. And guess what? He's going to have a number two guy with him this year who is going to absolutely set the league on fire. And you know what? He could be the most improved player. Uh, Anthony Simons. I think that he's really going to come out and pop off this year and and really take that next step that we've been, you know, he, he's kind of been improving year by year. and And I think that he's really going to come out and prove his worth. Also, let me just say right now, I prefer Josh Hart over C.J. McCollum. Might not be a favorable opinion, but that's just my take. Um, I like what Josh Hart can do for this team. What has this team been lacking over the last couple of years? I think me, that's
0: defense. Let me clarify real quick. You're not saying Josh Hart is like a better player. You're saying like, oh, with, no. saying like a yeah. winning team with a formula around a star, I would take yeah. Josh Hart. Okay. Okay. Yes, that's I'm not
2: <laughs> better than CJ McCollum. No. Yeah. But on this team more. Um, I think they've been lacking defense over the last couple of years. So you go out, you, you get Jeremy Grant. I think that's uh, building the foundation for defense on this team. Also Gary Payton, uh, that's really going to improve your defense. And I really like uh, Shadon Sharp to bring some energy off the bench for this team. Um, you know, this is a team that I, I, think, I think can be a playoff team. Uh, and, and I think Dame is obviously the leading force behind that. And I'm excited to see them go out this year and really put it together and get back into playoff contention and and do some do some damage in the postseason.
0: So history tells us I like your point. I like what you started out with Damian Lillard. If he's Damian Lillard, then you should have faith in this team, because history tells us that even if the team around Damian Lillard is mediocre, he's going to he's going to will this team to a playoff spot. And in some cases, cases a top four seed. So I I really like how you started out with that. one thing that I, that I look forward to Emmett maybe proposing here is something uh, – well, I'm not going to give it away, but uh, I, I like a lot of your points there. So you think Simons is going to be number two over Grant? Or, oh, or, I do. Or, or if you're thinking optimistically about Portland, you think it takes Simons being number two?
2: Yes, that's that's what I'm saying. If I'm thinking optimistically about Portland, I think Simons has to be number two. Okay. And, and I think he will. Like, I genuinely think he
1: will.
0: All right. Emmett, let's hear from you. Why should we be pessimistic about the Portland Trailblazers?
1: I mean, I'm as big of a Damien fan as it comes, but let's be honest. He's been hurt. He's getting older. Can he really carry this team? I mean, is Simons and Grant a good enough addition to really put them past just a play-in game? Like, we're being honest, they're probably going to lose to the Lakers in a play-in game. <laughs> I just, I don't see, I mean, Grant, he's good. Simons is good. Nurkic is good. Like, all these players are just good. No one's great. No one is truly pushing this team past the play-in. I mean, once again, Damian is fantastic, but he's getting older, more injury-prone. He can't keep carrying these teams all the way into the playoffs like he's been doing. CJ's not there anymore. I mean, it's just – it doesn't look good at all.
0: So, I am with you on the Dame thing except for the fact that I'm a little bit optimistic about Dame specifically because Drew Holiday had the exact same injury and when Drew finally got the surgery I mean you see what he's been with the Bucks a, a yeah. better version of himself than any cuz Dame had apparently been dealing with this for about a year and a half um so Drew you see what he's been with the Bucks probably better than any other version of himself so maybe maybe Dame comes back um lose also
1: the 2B though he's not fully carrying the
0: Bucks all right that's that's very fair that's a very fair point um I do like Luke's point about the defense. um both of you, both of you are pretty good there. I th- I do think I have to, oh yeah, I, I gotta clarify this. Whoever's not arguing optimistic or pessimistic, they're kind of our uh, neutral guy here and we have to pick who may have persuaded us more. So I do have to say, I think Luke has kind of won me to be a little more optimistic than pessimistic <laughs> on this side. I gotta say, Emmett, I thought you could have went a little more into maybe why this team is really no different than the older ones because it's a small backcourt and is Anthony Simon really going to be anything more than CJ. Uh, But both of you make great points, but I got it. I got to say, I think Luke won me on that one to be optimistic about the Blazers. But next up um, Emmett or no Luke, tell us why we should be optimistic about the Pistons.
2: Okay. So to start out with the Pistons, um, I think Sadiq Bay is going to, into an absolute dog I feel the same way about Jaden Ivey and I just want to say something I think Isaiah Stewart at least starts out the season starting at the five for this team I really like Isaiah Stewart and it my favorite moment from Isaiah Stewart's career so far is when he absolutely went after LeBron in that altercation because you know what I want to see in Detroit I want to see that dog I want to see that bad boy mentality and I think he can really bring that but this team last year was 26 overall in made threes in the NBA. So for them to really improve and get to where I think they can be this year, I think Isaiah Stewart's got to stretch his range. Uh, I think Killian Hayes has to improve. But the leading force of this team will be Cade Cunningham. And if this team is going to, you know, make a run for a play-in game, Cade Cunningham is going to have to put up numbers. He's going to have to carry this team on his back, and I think he will. So do not be surprised by the end of this year if Cade Cunningham is not sneaking his way into the all NBA conversation.
0: Okay. Um, so I'm I got got to tell you why you should be a little pessimistic about uh, the Pistons here. Um, and I I don't even have to say anything about Cade Cunningham. I think I can I think I can maybe tell you why you should be pessimistic about the Pistons while even including that Cade Cunningham is, has a jump and might even be an all-star this year. So first off, this team is super young, okay? And what it takes more often than not to be a playoff caliber team or a play-in team in this case, I don't think anyone would say this team's going to be top six. The argument, would, if you're being optimistic, would be to get a play-in spot just in general, even if you're 10th. So just the youth of this team, man. I mean, you really don't have many vets. I know they brought in Nolan's Noel. They brought in Alec Burks. And they ended up getting a trade for Boyan Bogdanovic. That helps a little bit, but a lot of the, a lot of the core here, a lot of the guys that are going to be playing bigger minutes. Are going to be younger guys. Um, I think in regards to Sadiq Bay, we have to have a question of has he maybe kind of reached more towards his ceiling at this point? Is there a next level for Sadiq Bay anymore? I mean, he was putting up 16, 17 a game last year. You know the efficiencies weren't the greatest thing. And I do think those might even come up a little bit, but have we already kind of seen what Sadiq Bay can be in the NBA? Um they're really high on Jalen Duren, but they have Isaiah Stewart as well. I don't know if these two are going to be able to play together. Um they, you know, they said that that Stewart has been working on his three ball. He was taking some threes in summer league. Just not so sure that we can rely on Isaiah Stewart to be a guy on the outside. I think it's gonna have to be play one guy or the other at all times. Um the, just the lack of the room in the East in general, man. I mean, let's talk about the depth of the East and how many teams there's in there. I mean, I think that there's eight teams, maybe nine that we can make as just pure locks to be in at least playoff or in the play-in. And so that leaves a spot or two for this team. So that's just really hard to overcome in that sense. Um, this team was much worse defensively last year when Jeremy Grant was off the floor, and now he's gone. And – you know, for a team with winning aspirations in that sense, and they were playing pretty good basketball. And uh, after the All Star break, a large part due to Jeremy Grant, who's their leading scorer and probably, you know, if not the best defender, one of the best, they're without him now. And that's a lot to overcome. And my thing with this team in terms of their depth is who's going to get the minutes? Because you know, your guys that are going to play, you know, Cade is the best player, really good. Um, and then you got Sadiq Bay is a lock to start and play a lot of minutes. Uh I think I think Boyan's probably a lock starter and gonna play a lot of minutes. But who's gonna get the other minutes? I mean, is Killian Hayes playing? Has he is he ever gonna get any better? Is Jaden Ivey playing? Should I be skeptical about what he can do in his first year in the NBA? Who's gonna play out of Stewart and Jalen Duren, like I've mentioned? You know, who's gonna play? Um in the is Nerlands Noel gonna play? Is Marvin Bagley gonna play? Is is Alec Burks even going to play that much? Like, who do we play here if you're Dwayne Casey? Is Isaiah Livers going to play? Because, Luke, you mentioned it, and I'm glad you brought it up for me so I didn't even have to. This team was one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the league. So does Isaiah Livers have to play by default just for shooting, even though he's such an inexperienced player? You know, who plays for this team? So although I like the Pistons and what they're doing, not sure whenever I look at it from this point of view if something's going to happen this year.
1: Yeah, I'm – should I just go ahead and give my uh, yeah. winner?
0: Yeah.
1: I'm going to have to lean with the pessimistic side. And Kyle, I mean, it's hard. They're just so young. The East is stacked. There's so many good teams in the East. Like, they're they're going to have to play way above their ceiling to really solidify a spot in the playoffs. It's Their depth is an issue. Who's going to play? Who's going to fit in what lineups? There's just way too many question marks, and it's no disrespect to them. They're all super young. They're probably going to be fine in the next couple of years. But as of now, it's really hard to be super optimistic about this current season.
2: Okay, so the next team we have here is the New Orleans Pelicans. So Emmett, why don't you tell me why we should be optimistic on the New Orleans
1: Pelicans for this NBA season? Luke, I'll give you a four-letter word that starts with a Z, and it's Zion (laughs) Williamson. He is back, he is healthy, and he might even win MVP. This team has 11 players. I'm not going to list them all. They have 11 players they can play. And I know with the Pistons, it seemed like a lot. But this 11-man roster is someone where they have length all the way up and down from point guard to the center. They have so much talent, so much defense. They can spread the floor. They have young guys like Dyson Daniels, now Jose Alvarado, was a huge fan of him when he was at Georgia Tech. He was my favorite player, honestly, ever in college basketball. Not, not even a joke. I know it's kind of a cliche thing to say. But he was genuinely one of my favorite college basketball players of all time. I mean, I like I said, Zion, he's a sleeper MVP, MVP pick for me. I think Brandon Ingram's one of yours, Luke. But like so much entertainment in this team. They're gonna be so good. They played fantastic at the end of the year in the playoffs. They really gave the Suns a run for their money without Zion. I don't think anyone was ex- expecting that. I mean, Zion Williamson, dude, like he's back. And they are going to be fantastic. Emmett,
2: I really love everything that you've said, but I mean, is Zion going to stay healthy? I know he's healthy now. He's going to be back, but will he be that way by the end of the season? So I like what you said, but we'll see. So Kyle, why don't you tell me why we should be pessimistic
0: on the Pelicans? So two questions. And I thought it was interesting that Emmett kind of like said this, that they had this was, my questions are, where's the defense and where's the shooting? And I'm going to kind of get into both of them, and I want to talk about Zion a little bit as well. But, you know, this team last year, man, I mean, the main lineup that we're looking for and what's probably going to be the starters is Brandon Ingram, C.J. McCollum, Herb Jones, Zion, and and uh, Jonas Valanciunas. So we're expecting those five to be on the floor together. Well, when those four, minus Zion, obviously, because was hurt all year, were on the floor together last year, They were in the 32nd percentile in defense and points per 100 possessions. Zion is no great defender here to just add to that to make it a better defense. Um, I do expect them to have a very elite offense, probably top 10 offense, but not expecting a lot of things to be better on the defensive end and maybe worse. I mean, and those four together were good offensively, but it was when a shooter was with them. So, again, another problem here. I think Zion is great. But considering what made this group good last year, Zion is not that. So the lack of spacing really, really kind of gets at me a little bit. And it gets difficult whenever you talk about Zion as well, because what do you want with Zion? You want shooting. And you do, plain and simple. This team uh, was in the, with that lineup with those four, 38th percentile on three-point percentage with those lineups. Um, Luke, you kind of hit on it for me already. Can we trust Zion to stay on the floor? And then, like I was saying, because of the way Zion plays, how will that affect lineups? Because I think, ultimately, that's going to be their starting five. But can we really trust that starting five to be just great in long spurts? So, when you think of Zion, you want shooting. And so, who's going to play around him? I mean, there's other guys like Larry Nance, Devontae Graham, Jackson Hayes, Dyson Daniels, Trey Murphy, Jose Alvarado there's one guy on this entire roster of the guys I named from that first group and the guys I just named to you, then that's coming back that shot 37% or better from the three point line last year. And that guy, CJ McCollum. So although I do think they will be a fun team to watch, and I do think that they have some options to explore with lineups. I just think that they lack a lot that you really need around Zion specifically. And so I think when you're talking about looking at being optimistic or pessimistic about this team, there's a lot more to worry about than there probably is to be excited about, in my opinion.
2: So this is very tough for me because I'm a guy who was very high on the Pelicans and I, and I like what you said, Emmett, but ultimately, I feel like Kyle, you persuaded me. You know, I, I think Zion's kind of a limited guy offensively. I mean, he's, he, you know, we know what he can do. He, he's, he's capable of great things, but I do think he's somewhat limited. And, I think ultimately you've convinced me that I should probably be a little bit more pessimistic on this team going into the season.
0: Yeah, you know, I just want to say, man, like I I definitely think there's a lot of room to be optimistic about this team. But I, you know, I just think it is confusing on what you need around Zion. I don't know if it's perfect what they have right now and they have a good team like. But I don't know if we should just up and expect this team with Zion just because of they made the playoffs last year to come be, like, a top four seed.
1: Yeah. Zion's a hard person to build around to as well. We don't, we have, we don't have a ton of, like, actual games of him. So it's hard to know truly what works. Agreed. But with the defensive thing, I just – I look at how long they are and how athletic they are, and if they really put forth effort, I can't imagine they're going to be terrible at defense.
0: Well, but I guess the thing for me is, like, There's a lot of – Jonas Valanciunas is very limited defensively. Yes. That's why the the Pelicans went small against the Suns at the end of almost like every game, and that's where they had success late in games. Um, Brandon Ingram, I love him a lot. Special talent offensively, just not really there defensively. CJ McCollum, obviously very limited defensively. Um, You know, when you look at guys that are better defensively on this team, it's like a Larry Nance Jr., I do. Th- I will say, although I had to argue the pessimistic side of things, there's real potential for this team if Trey Murphy is able to find a little bit of a jump.
1: They have a lot of young talent that's not really being talked about.
0: Yeah, and, and Dyson, they like him a lot, don't trust the shooting yet. Um, I just think it's a lot of you look through the wing players and it's like maybe they give you something, but they really lack elsewhere. And so it's going to be interesting to see what Willie Green throws out on the floor a lot of nights. Yeah. So what might be the most interesting team to a lot of people, but we didn't think they were. I'm interested in listening to this one more than the other one that I'm not a part of. Uh, The Brooklyn Nets. I think there's a lot of information to give on both sides here to persuade me. So I'm really going to be thinking about these. So Emmett, tell me why I should be pessimistic about the Nets this season.
1: Honestly, I think it's pretty obvious. Like, <laughs> They they didn't want to play last year, so why are they going to play this year? Are they going to play? Probably not. It's like, come on. Ben Simmons, that post-fade in last night's uh, first round of preseason games, looks like me out there when I was in fourth grade. It was a like, it, it was horrible. I mean, he's <laughs> got to know better. Ben Simmons, I've been saying Ben Simmons. I'm a big Ben Simmons guy. Defensive player of the year, maybe. He's one of the best passers in the league. I expect them to have high basketball IQ, but then he throws up shots like that. And it's like, come on, man. Like, where's the thought process in that? Uh, they lost the Marcus Aldridge, Goron, Andre Drummond, Blake Griffin. You can make an argument that none of those guys are worth anything, but some of them actually are. Uh, I will say they added Alondas Williams. I like him. Will he play? Probably not, but I, need, I needed to shout that out a little bit. But it really it really comes down to, will the big three play Will they care about basketball? If I'm betting, no, they will not. And it's pretty straightforward like that for me.
0: So, I this one's hard um, before Luke gets into why I should be optimistic. But I, the one thing I'll say about Ben Simmons is – it was a preseason game. I get it. But I'm totally with you of I still don't want to see him do something like that. Absolutely. So, and I think you make a great point. This team, they kind of at this point, not Kevin Durant, not anything on him, but Kyrie Irving and Ben Simmons, you got to get out on the floor. So I agree. But, Luke, uh, persuade me why I should be optimistic about this team.
2: So, Emmett, you're wrong.
0: Um, <laughs> Kyrie- that's That's the argument. That's the argument. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, Kyrie Irving is choosing to be back with this team this year. I think we're going to see a Kyrie who's locked in and focused on basketball. Also not to mention, he's getting paid a lot of money to be there. So I think we're going to see a Kyrie that, you know, we're used to seeing five, six years ago, a guy who's going to come out here and really be a difference maker consistently and play the entire season. And I think that really elevates the Nets. Also, you got Kevin Durant, the best player in the world, in my opinion. I think Kevin Durant's going to come out and have a great season. And I think if Kyrie is functioning at a high level and, and his head's in it, which I believe that it will be this season, it's going to do nothing but benefit Kevin Durant. Also, Ben Simmons. I am a really big fan of Ben Simmons. Old man in the three with J.J. Reddick. I watched the Ben Simmons interview. Ben Simmons is a great guy. Ben Simmons is misunderstood. He went through a lot. Um, it's been a long time since he's played competitive basketball. Let's give him a break, preseason game, want to try a little turnaround. Yes, it looked absolutely. <laughs> terrible, but I can understand the guy wanting to come out here and you know kind of try to show off his skills a little bit, even though there you know, there wasn't much to show off. So I think that three, you know those three guys will be able to really uh, play together and help each other out. and I think that ultimately if they're in a mental headspace that's good, I think this team can be elite. Now, also, Joe Harris, somebody who's a 44% uh, career three-point shooter, uh, is still on this team. He's going to benefit them greatly. Um, I think, you know, T.J. Warren, uh, Steve Nash said he probably won't play till November. That's fine. Let him rest up a little bit, get healthy. He'll be back and giving great minutes for this team. I really like Nick Claxton. I know Curry right now is kind of day-to-day with an ankle thing. But, you know, he'll be back on the floor. I really like what this team can bring. I think they've got some great shooters. They've some great playmakers. Uh, I really like what they can do on defense. And ultimately, y'all should be looking out for this team to win an NBA championship this year.
0: So you make, you make good points. I like what you said, especially going into the depth. I like what you said about Ben Simmons. You know, I think that we should expect him to be back to what we're used to with him in Philly. I got to say, though, if I'm looking on the optimistic side of things for Brooklyn, I would have liked for you to persuade me about how Royce O'Neal specifically could be fitting with that team because of the flexibility he gives them on both ends. Yeah. Along with, you know, I would I, I was looking for something as well, of maybe what Ben Simmons could do at the five, or maybe yeah. what Ben Simmons could do with Claxton. But considering both of you all kind of put your arguments around the big three specifically, just because of what I've seen outside of Kevin Durant, I have to say I got to go with Emmett here on the pesi- on the pessimistic side of things.
1: Finally, <laughs> one and two now. Gosh, I thought I was going to go for four. <laughs> well, uh, next we have the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, Kyle, why are you optimistic about the Hawks?
0: So first off, I got to say, considering we were all randomly getting these things, I couldn't be any more excited that I got to talk optimistically about the Hawks. Um, this team, man – I'm really excited for their season this year because of the way they've revamped the roster. Uh, You're going to be able to take a lot of pressure off of Trey Young. I mean, you're talking about the guy that had like the the highest or the second highest usage rate in the entire NBA last year. It was like him and Luca. Trey had a 39% usage rate, which is way too high. You know, no matter how good his production is, you can't keep relying on a player that much, especially come playoff time, because of the way that you're able to see people uh, scheme around you defensively. Hence what happened with Miami. In the playoffs this year so you're adding Dejounte who is a true elite secondary playmaker one of the most underrated players in the league I mean I think a lot of people needed to put into perspective that Dejounte on a winning basketball team last year was putting up almost a 20 a 20 point triple double every night um you know Trey has shot over 43 percent on catch and shoot threes last year I think that that's something to put into perspective whenever you're considering him playing with a secondary playmaker. I also just want to throw out there that some people are questioning the fit in general because of how the ball dominance of both players. It is totally okay to have two ball-dominant players. It gets tricky whenever you have more than two. Two, not that crazy. We've seen it countless times. One thing about DeJounte also is that DeJounte was 36% on catch-and-shoot threes last year, and the Spurs didn't have necessarily the spacing that the Hawks will have either. And for him to already be shooting above league average from three point from three-point land on catch and shoot threes, I'm very especially considering he's gonna be getting passes from a guy like Trey Young now, or maybe like passes off of plays Trey Young makes, very optimistic in that sense for DeJounte to be even better shooting from the three-point line. Um DeJounte was also in the 92nd percentile last year in handoffs. And for me, I imagine with this team, Trey Young working off of uh, high screen stuff or high sets with the two guys of John Collins and Clint Capella. So high ball screen or like horn sets and where he maybe dumps it off to one of those guys. And so then you've got Trey having the attention of the defense with the ball in his hands, pitches it to a John Collins, maybe leading into a dribble handoff with DeJounte Murray to come create something off of that. Really excited uh, for that type of stuff as we get into next year. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, Spurs were in the 48th percentile in defense, um, but when Dejounte Murray was on the floor, they bumped up to the 70th percentile uh, in defensive points per 100 possessions. So now pairing a guy like Dejounte Murray with Clint Capella, DeAndre Hunter, a rookie that I'm really high on, and AJ Griffin, who is the best three and D in the draft, and on Yekka Kongwu, I think this team's primed to have a huge defensive jump. I mean, you look. Last year and the year before, even whenever they made the Eastern Conference Finals run, it was just really hard because when this team plays teams that are really good guards, they're not able to really throw somebody at them. Now they have that. They don't have to force DeAndre Hunter to go guard a team's best perimeter player. DeJounte and him can split that, or DeJounte can cover it. And so you can have more DeAndre Hunter in, like, safety mode, which he's really good at. And so, yeah, I mean – the fact that he can focus on front-court players, Capella is not going to have to have as much pressure since DeJounte is going to be fighting through more screens and being able to tie Trey Young more because of that. I understand that one argument could be the lack of depth on this team, but, come, but I think they've got enough to do really well in the regular season and especially come playoff time with the top eight that they have. For reasons I've listed, I'm just really excited to see what they're able to do.
1: I agree with you, but my goodness, Luke doesn't have a shot with the pessimistic side. Let's, <laughs> let's see what you got.
2: <laughs> man, you know, I'm glad you hit on their depth. I, I believe that's going to be a problem for this team. Uh, let me just say right now, and, and y'all kind of know my thoughts on Trey Young, going back to my point guard rankings. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Trey Young is small. That man is softer than a bag of milk. I, I Ever since Trey Young was at Oklahoma putting up a million and a half points a game, I was looking at this man playing defense. I was looking at this man getting bullied. I've seen the same thing when he's in the NBA. Yeah, dude, he he's a great shooter. But I'm telling you right now, Trey Young is soft, and Trey Young will not lead a team to any type of success. I don't care about the Eastern Conference Finals a couple years ago. DeJounte Murray, I'm not sure this fit's going to work. I, I really I, I don't believe in it. Um, John Collins, you know, has a down year last year after signing his extension. Who's to say it doesn't happen again? I think it will. Uh, Clint Capella meh just average this team to me is the epitome of average I don't really care much about their role play you know who I like dude you know who I really liked Kevin Herter not on the team anymore that was my guy so uh while this is very hard for me because you know if I'm being completely honest I am a little high on the Hawks but I'm being optimistic here I'm being <laughs> the, I'm being pessimistic I'm sorry so I, I think, I think off then i think it holds this team back and i'm not sure that jante murray works so um i do i do like deandre hunter i'm you know but it's i'm I'm telling you man it's not gonna work for this team
1: (laughs) that's gonna be the best argument of this entire episode but i I have to side with kyle like me too i you you can't (laughs) kyle brought up the ball movement possibilities, how fluid their offense could be, and the fact that Trey Young and Dejounte Murray are very good off-ball shooters—that alone, you were not going to be. But I mean, it, it was worth a shot.
0: So I, th- you know, I I was the one thing I was worried about Luke bringing up that he didn't, because I think if I would have went the pessimistic route about the Hawks, is you could have really branched off the lack of depth and brought up injuries to guys like Clint Capella. Um, you know, even Dejounte, DeAndre Hunter, John Collins, and that would have that would have been the one way where I think you could have maybe, yeah. Uh, like I think most people that are pessimistic on the Hawks, I still I still think I kind of had you with, with, with. And it's nothing yeah. against you. It's just it's just when you're looking at this team, there's way more reason, in my opinion, to be optimistic than there is. To be Dude, that's fun. I love it. But, but I think you missed out on going that route. Yeah. About the injuries and the lack of depth, because that's a real yeah. thing with that team.
2: I get that for sure, and I, I guess moving on to our next team here is the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves, a very intriguing team. So, Emmett, why don't you tell me why we should be pessimistic about the Minnesota Timberwolves and your guy
1: Ant? Um, well, I'll say this pretty quickly. Uh, there's only one team in the NBA paying 90 mil to two front court players. I'm assuming you know who that is now. It's the Timberwolves. So either they're geniuses or they're morons. And odds say they're probably not that smart, considering they're the only team paying that much money to front courts. They're going in the exact opposite direction of the NBA. But if it's true, there's only one person who could save them, and that's the possible go Anthony Edwards. I mean, <laughs> when it really comes down to it, though, I wasn't necessarily sold on Anthony Edwards and d together. I know that it probably will work out. I'm a big t wolves guy. But... I just, I, cat's fine at the four. I'm struggling here. Um, it, it's just, I don't, I don't see it working out. <laughs> 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 this is, I, I, I cannot be pessimistic for the wolves.
0: <laughs> Strong opinions there, Emmett. But
1: uh, <laughs> let,
2: let's, why? So let Kyle tell us why we should be optimistic on this game.
0: So, you know, I'm, I'm about to get into it first. Uh, I figured that figured that you might bring up something about any combination of two of the four guys playing together. And that's not really going to matter because the four of them aren't going to be sharing the floor a ton. They're going to be starting the games together. They're going to be ending the games together. So it definitely matters. But Delo and Ant aren't even going to be playing together through the majority of second and third quarters as the game goes on. Chris Finch has already talked about how gonna, they're going to they're going to kind of split it into pairings you're going to see a lot of D'Lo and Bear together and you're going to see a lot of Ant and Cat together. Um, they have so many opportunities to be so dynamic offensively now. Chris Finch is also an offensive guru. Um, they had a good offense and above average shooting when Cat and Ant were on the floor together last year. I think that those two could even make more of a leap, especially Ant, as we get into this year. And D'Lo has a real lob threat now. I mean, Jared Vanderbilt, solid player. He's a workhorse, but he is nothing in terms of a pick and roll partner or a ro- or a roll man. And Rudy is one of the best role guys in the league. You know, D'Lo was in the 74th percentile in pick and roll as the pick and roll ball handler last year. He didn't have another guy that was even close to where Gobert was in terms of pick and roll uh, as the roller in terms of efficiency. So R- Gobert was in the 85th percentile as a pick and roll man. So, Considering that D'Lo was already in the 74th percentile without anyone close to someone of the likes of Gobert, really optimistic about how those two are going to be able to pair uh, with as pick-and-roll partners. Um, In 2018-2019, in when D'Angelo Russell had his breakout year with Brooklyn, um, when him and Jarrett Allen were on the floor together, they were in the 79th percentile in effective field goal percentage and then the 98th percentile in free throw rate. And I think that that's important because – Rudy Gobert is honestly just a better version of Jared Allen. There's not a lot of differences between the two. And those stats show me that when D'Angelo Russell has a real pick-and-roll partner, he puts a ton of pressure on the rim and creates a ton of good shots for his teammates. and Or at least they get created out of him running the pick-and-roll game. And so now that they can replicate that type of PR game with Cat, Ant, Torian Ta- uh, Prince, Jalen Noel, Jaden McDaniels and Wendell Moore, the rookie, as floor spacers. I just think that's going to be some awesome stuff on the offensive end of the floor. Um, when Kat Ant Delo and Jaden McDaniels were on the floor. Oh, oh, meant to bring this up. I understand Jaden McDaniels was only 34% on threes last year. I think he's kept improving since he's been in his like two or three years or whatever it's been now in the league. I totally expect that to go up, especially with the focus on even more guys now. I also just am really high on him as a player. But when last year, when Cat, Ant, D'Lo, and McDaniels were all on the floor together, they were in the 83rd percentile in uh, defense. And now you're adding the best, arguably the best defender in the entire NBA to to that group. So I think there's every reason, especially in the regular season, to be high on this team. My opinion, I really do think that they have a legit shot of being a top three seed. A lot of those things are not just stuff that I'm saying to be optimistic. It's stuff I truly believe, and that's why I think that we should be really high on the Timberwolves.
1: Go ahead and say it, Luke. Tell
0: me
2: I lost. You tried, Emmett. You really did. Barely, but you tried. Um, I have the the T-Wolves as my three seed in the West uh, for this year, and so Kyle, I'm going to have to agree with you on this pick, and I'm I'm very optimistic on them as well. So I I think you did a really good job
1: of – Persuading me even further in that direction. So I mean, listen, I I tried. I spent all day trying to be pessimistic about the Timberwolves, <laughs> and the more time I spent, the more optimistic I became.
0: I it, think I think that one would be. I think that's the hardest team of our list here to truly be pessimistic about. I I couldn't do it, but I yeah, just I think like there's some there's something about it that because that I think that you guys would agree that there's potential that there may be like a play in team.
1: Yeah, they. I mean, they could be, but or they could be a, the three seed. You know what I mean? The, or a two. The, like the thing is, even if they are in the play in, it's because they had a mediocre regular season. But I still am going to have them making a huge run in the playoffs. Yeah,
0: I wouldn't want to see them in the first round. No. no absolutely not. Um. So let me ask you this: regular season, what's their ceiling? Um. I. <sighs>
1: Low key, I kind of want to say the one seed.
0: I say I, I'm I'm going to say it. I don't care. The ceiling's a one seed. I say I, two seed. The reason I
1: say one is I don't think there's a clear runaway regular season team in the West.
0: I think it could be the Clippers, but it's health reliant.
1: Yes, but I also see the Clippers too as a team that might do a lot of like uh, minutes restriction type of team towards the Fair. late in the season, and they might sure. drop a couple spots. Fair,
2: yeah. Um, and, and I think it's going to be really interesting to see Rudy Gobert on this team, you know. So, but uh, moving on to another guy who's going to be playing in a different uniform next year, uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers and Donovan Mitchell. So, Kyle, why don't you tell me why we should be pessimistic on the Cavs this season?
0: So I want to say this. Donovan Mitchell is my second favorite player in the league. If you listen to this podcast, you know that I was excited whenever he got traded. And although I'm doing this to be pessimistic, I do think that a lot of these are legit reasons to maybe question if the Cavs could be like a top six seed in the East. So, first off, I just want to say it's a very weak bench, especially until Ricky Rubio gets back from injury. Um, there's also no true source of three and D whatsoever on this team. Uh, you've got Isaac Acoro, although he's a really good defender, this dude on wide open threes. Which means six feet or more of space. This is the projected floor. This projected starter with their current team. 34%. 34% on wide open threes. Maybe he gets better at it, but shown nothing about it to this point. Um, you got Jetty Osman. Um, better, probably the best shooter available in these options, but not a lot of playmaking and nothing, nothing too great defensively to make you just really happy uh to put him in there with them. Dylan Windler, Dean Wade, Lamar Stevens, they all do some nitty-gritty things. They all, you know, Dean Wade and Well Windler are somewhat of floor spacers a little bit, but nothing crazy. But they just kind of kind of reminds me of um how we were talking about uh let's see what team were we talking about a second ago. The Pelicans where it's like they met some of these guys do some things well and yeah. but they just are lacking in other areas. And Karis Lavert. Although I think there's this idea that he could be a good six man, where does he truly fit on this team? I mean, when you're talking about guys like Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland who both have above 30% usage rates, the type of player Karis LeVert is, that just doesn't really mess well with two guys that need to handle the ball as much as those two are going to need to handle it. In 2020, 2021, obviously Colin Sexton is not Donovan Mitchell, but I just use this as an example of a dynamic scoring guard. Um, two seasons ago when Garland Sexton and Jared Allen were on the floor together, they were in the 20th percentile in net rating, 27th percentile in offense and 24th percentile in defense. Trust me. I get it. Donovan Mitchell is a lot better than Colin Sexton. Evan Mobley was obviously not on the team then, mm-hmm. but considering you still had, and, and Garland has improved a lot. I just don't think that that's that promising looking forward to it. Now, maybe they find a source of three and D somewhere. Maybe they trade for a Jay Crowder or something. But considering what they have right now, and like we said with the Pistons earlier, the strength of the current East, I just think it's going to be really hard. You know, the defensive options with those two in the backcourt, they do have a good defensive frontcourt. But when you've got this many good guards in the league, that's going to be tough every night to endure as well. So that's why I have to be a little bit pessimistic about the Cavs here.
2: Yeah, I think you made some really good points there, and it really is a testament to just how good the East is. And So I think that's going to be really interesting to see. But Emmett, why don't you tell me why we should be optimistic about this Cleveland team?
1: Two players. They re-signed Dean Wade and they added Isaiah Mobley. (laughs) But realistically, they traded for Donovan Mitchell. He's one of the best twos in the league I mean, they were my sleeper final team even before they made this trip. I have to be optimistic about this team. I was optimistic even without Dominic Mitchell. And Kyle brought up some points about how the players at two years ago didn't have a great net rating. But every single year, these players continue to get better. They keep making jumps. They're going to make jumps this next year and the year after and the year after that. Every single year, they're going to keep getting better. The core has been established, Darius Garland, Donovan Mitchell, Evan Mobley, Jerr Allen. Evan Mobley is a legitimate superstar, or at least will be. This guy is insane. He's fantastic. No matter how good Mitchell is now, Mobley truly can be the next big guy, like the next guy in the paint for any team. Um, There's no really source of defense at the perimeter, but we've said this in the past, you can't score inside against this team jared allen evan mobley that is the trees the twin towers it is going to be very difficult to score inside so as long as they're at least active on the perimeter i don't think their defense is going to be horrendous might not be great but it won't be horrendous i just see this offense keep progressing over time game by game year by year it's it's going to be fun and also the three-point shooters i don't think you brought up kevin love kevin love shot like I feel like Kevin Love shot a really high percentage. I didn't bring three up Kevin year.
0: Love, and he was a 40% three-point shooter. Okay. I, I thought there was <laughs> okay, a nice so number behind that. I, I didn't, but I was looking at, like, that three spot. So I'm mentioned Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, know, yeah, I, I, know, I did I totally forget to mention Kevin Love. But, but I just – I mean, Kevin Love,
1: he's not going to add a ton at this point in his career, but he's going to be good at shooting. He's going to do his thing in the paint. But I do actually really enjoy what he brings to the table as far as, a, like, a leadership aspect. I think this team has a lot of potential, and that's why I'm optimistic. Will they win the finals? No. Could they win the finals? Maybe. But I'm just insanely optimistic on this team's current state and their future.
2: Okay. I mean, you make a good argument there, Emmett, but I really feel like you told me why I should be optimistic that this team is a contender or, you know, could be two to three years from now. You said it, you know, they're going to progress. And 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 I agree. I, I'm pretty optimistic on the current state of the team, but I really feel like you were giving me more why this team can be really good two to three years from now or even a finals contender. Um and I agree with you on that. But I think Kyle, you really gave us a more realistic view of where this team is at right now. So I'm gonna have to give you the edge on that one.
0: Undefeated. Woo! <laughs> GG's, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> but um uh I'm very high on the Cavs, but I do think that there is a there's a real chance that you know they're not a top six team here. They fall in the play in. Uh, yeah. Emmett, I purposefully left out Kevin Love because I thought you were going to hit me with it, and you didn't. I think this team's way of being super good down the stretch of games is saying we don't need a a, a regular three and D player. We're going to throw a lineup on the floor of Darius Garland, Donovan Mitchell. Evan Mobley, Kevin Love, and Jared Allen—you find a way to beat us. I'm not
1: gonna lie; I didn't know how reasonable that is because that's like one of the lineups I run in 2K, and just (laughs) mentally, I don't—I just never process it to be like an actual thing that could happen. So I'm glad you said that. ran
0: lineups last year with Lowry Markkinen at
1: the three. Yeah, but honestly, I just thought that's because they had to. It never really like (laughs) crossed my mind. Like when I see Lowry at the three, I'm thinking it's because they have to. It's not because.
0: I I really think that the trump card in this argument and what the trump card could be, even if they acquire a three and D player, uh, is going to be close the game with Kevin Love at the four and Mobley at the three. It'll be fun. Now, Mobley has to be a little bit better of a shooter for that to work. Um, But if he can shoot league average from three, that lineup is nasty. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I
2: just want to say that uh probably about four to five years ago, I think Emin and I both might have thought that Osman was the next LeBron. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: I mean, how are you not supposed to think he's gonna next LeBron? It's an international player playing directly behind LeBron. He's gotta be as good as that, right?
0: I will say I am not I, I totally totally reached with the whole like lineups from two years ago thing. But um I don't think it's the craziest thing in the world to bring up although I was reaching with it but my one thing that I will that I do back up fully cuz obviously if you've heard me on the pod then you know that me saying that the defensive backcourt was just BS I've literally talked about how I think they can have a top 10 defense even with yeah. that backcourt but the one thing that I'm really worried about with them is I really don't know if there's a huge role here for Lavert on this team. Keep it really does seem
1: like he's just going to be that guy who can they can throw out there and get 16 18 points but it's going to be worth nothing
0: yeah i mean i think he's i think he's easily the odd man out here
1: yeah yeah and it's sad cuz i really do like carisolver he just never found that roster role
0: yeah that that was fun um hopefully you know this podcast is a long time going thing and we can do something like this yearly yeah but that, that was fun man so i'm glad we were able to do something like that but lastly to wrap it up uh we'll get into our last positional rankings into our top 10 centers so in this positional ranking with centers um as we were choosing guys to get on here it was probably our shortest list in terms of players to actually look at to rank we had 15 guys we were looking at to make a top 10. so you know the honorable mentions when I say they were just barely left out for me, they really were just barely left out. And my honorable mentions were Miles Turner, Jonas Valanciunas, and Nikola Uh
1: My honorable mention is only one person, and I'm going to struggle saying this last name, but it's Victor Wimbanyumame, whatever. How he,
0: <laughs>
1: <that>. <laughs> he is my honorable mention, and he probably would be top five if he was in the NBA right now.
0: Hey, and we're, we're recording this an hour and a half before Victor and Scoot are about to play their first matchup. So we'll definitely talk about that and the other game that they play here in in a few days uh, next week. But very excited for that. So I think that's, you know, Emmett had to bring that up.
2: So I have one honorable mention, and that is Robert Williams. And that's all I have to say about that.
0: You got me a little hot, Luke. Oh. Anyway. Uh-
2: you want me to get into my, you going to get in my top here?
0: Let's go straight into the list. I'm, I'm about to I'm about to nitpick everything about Robert Williams being worse than somebody. Hey. Oh, gosh.
2: <laughs> okay. So at 10, I have Jonas Valanciunas. At nine, I have Chris Stapps. I think he's going to bounce back this year. Have a pretty good season. At eight, I have Nikola Vucevic. At seven, I have Jarrett Allen. At six, I have DeMontis Sabonis. At five, I have DeAndre Aiden. At four, I have Rudy Gobert. At three, I have Bam Adebayo. At two, I have Nikola Jokic. And at one, I have Joel Embiid.
0: So, Mine's um,
1: fairly similar.
0: Am I safe in saying that everyone's top four in some order was Luke's top four? Or admit that our top four is the same as Luke's top four? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I, I predicted that. Um... We're just going to have to agree, or disagree on the Rob thing, Luke. You're going to see where he's at on my list. But Emmett, Emmett, let's hear yours. Well, I'm going
1: to have to agree with Luke. But at 10, I have Miles Turner. <laughs> Nine, I have Jonas Valanciunas. At eight, I have Chris Stapps Porzingis. I had to give the unicorn some credit. I know he's been hurt. The talent's there, though. At least I think the talent's there. It might not be, but I'm hoping it is. DeMontis Sabonis at seven, Jarrett Allen at six. DeAndre at eight and at five, Rudy Gobert at four, Bam Adebayo at three, Nikola Jokic at two, and Joel at one. So I think me and Luke had the exact same top five. Yeah, exact same time.
0: Wow. So there's not only one name. There's two names for me. So at 10, well, I guess there's a, this one is not as big of a deal. At 10, I have Al Horford. Okay, I, I think that the versatility and what he showed to be able to stress the floor and make plays is way more valuable than a lot of other guys that I think that you guys listed. Um, I got Jared Allen at nine. I got DeMontis Sabonis at eight. I do think Sabonis has gotten a little underrated because of the Halliburton trade. Yeah. Um, obviously, in my opinion, the Pacers won the trade by a long shot and the Kings were stupid for it. But that doesn't mean that Sabonis isn't a really freaking good player. Um, At seven, I've got DeAndre Ayton. At six, I've got a guy that I think you guys are really underrating here, and that's Wendell Carter Jr. And you're talking about arguably the most underrated, my opinion, the most underrated player in the league. I think he's so skilled on both ends of the floor. Another breakout season is incoming, and especially the dynamic that he's going to have with Franz Wagner and Paolo Bancaro. At five, I've got Robert Williams. I'm a little upset that you guys did not appreciate the impact that Rob has on this team. Um, especially the playmaker he is out of the high post. Man, I I just absolutely love Rob uh, at four. I got a little bit switched from you guys because I got Bam at four, but I have Gobert at three. I do think they're interchangeable, though. I don't think that's anything crazy. Um, and at two, I have Embiid. And at one, I have Jokic. I mean, again, nothing crazy. I'm not going to sit there and argue with somebody who has Embiid over Jokic, Jokic over Embiid. They're the two best centers, no doubt about it. Um, they're two of the best players in the league. It it is what it is.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think realistically the four is locked. We, we can all agree on that. Yeah. And then after that, it's really it's really interchangeable with most of these guys. And I don't dislike anyone that both of y'all put in your top ten or your rankings or even your honorable mentions. I think it's the center position is at fairly even in my opinion.
0: So forget forget the Rob thing because I'm my guess would be that that's a production thing for you guys. Well, I, I do
1: like Rob a lot, and this I almost put Al Horford in there, too, for the same reason I put Draymond Green in my top ten, was it was he gives a lot more than what it seems like just on a stat sheet.
2: Al Horford is my second favorite player in the NBA. I love Al Horford. I just – I you know, I, it's going to take me seeing that type of production again this year for me to have him up there. And, and it's kind of the same. Like, I need to see a little bit more from Robert Williams. I love the guy, though. Like, I'm really high on him moving forward into the future.
0: So I guess my thing would be, like, if that's the thing with Al, then is it just – is the thing with Chris Stapps just, just plain all optimism?
1: Yeah, for me, personally, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just look at Chris Stapps, like, literally, like I said, just a unicorn of talent. Yeah. Has he proved it? Not really. Is there any reason for me to actually still think that? Not really. But it's just some little bit of hope just still hanging on for the poor guy.
2: I feel like that's kind of what the same boat I was in. Like I was like, because I was like putting this list together, and I was just like, "Man, I'd love if he came out and had a great year and stayed healthy."
1: <laughs> it's exactly <laughs> what I thought. It will. Like I'm gonna say that he will. If I made you. my I made my top seven, and then for the eight through like twelve or thirteen, I was thinking I can go anyway with any of these guys, and I was just staring at Chris Datch's name, I was thinking,
0: So let me. He's the
1: one I see the most out of.
0: Let me ask so. you this: What what is it about wendell that completely leaves him off your list both of you
1: i don't know if it's maybe because it's because he's with the magic i don't i don't know if that's a good excuse but i kind of just overlook players on teams like that and I, he, don't get me wrong he is insanely talented if i would have yeah. not made my little victor joke at honorable mentions he probably would have been my 11. yeah and genu- um, genuinely, like, my 8 through 12, maybe even 5 through 12, the gap between them is so small. Yeah, my my
2: my 6 through – or my 6 through 10, like, they're all interchangeable to me. And also kind of extending that to, like, 11, 12, and 13. I like window. Um, I, I think it kind of goes back to that. It's just, like – bias of being on a like team that's not great. And that's not really fair to the guy because he is super talented and his ceiling is ridiculous. And 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 he's a guy who I'm really intrigued to watch play this year. And I hope that by the end of this year, like it sticks out to me that like this guy is at least in the top eight on this list.
0: Yeah. Uh I'm really high on him, obviously. He's my sixth ranked center going into the year. But um I, I gotta say, I if I challenge you to do one thing after the after the list that I've heard positional rankings, just keep your eye on Wendell this year. Yes, I will. All I'm gonna say. That's all I'm gonna say. Keep and, your eye on Wendell this year.
1: I do need to say one thing, because we're at the end of this top ten positional ranking thing. Trey Young is not the ninth best player.
0: Right. <of all. laughs> hey, okay, so is, is, not. That, is that the uh is that the is that the biggest like is that the biggest shock of anything on these? Do not bring up Anthony Edwards.
1: Anthony Edwards at one is not nearly as big of a shock as Trey Young at nine.
0: I gotta agree. I because, mean because I, I, I feel like they're that Trey Young is so good. So Luke, Luke, let me ask you this. Yeah. And you totally have every right to say whatever you want about it. If you go back and do that list right now, is he still number nine? <laughs> he is <laughs> not number nine. <laughs> <laughs> if I made the list
2: right now. He's, he's not, probably going to put him at 10. <laughs> no, no, no. No lower. He's he's probably sitting around 6 for me. Like, with, Thank you. <laughs> he, he's probably sitting at 6 if I were to make the list right now. I just I'm still not high on the guy. I know he's a tremendous player. And dude, I hope that everything I've said about him, like he just comes out this year and like proves me completely wrong. Cause I really like Hawks. Um, uh, I'm just not completely sold, but yeah, he's not he's not the ninth best point guard in the league. He's he's better than that. He's probably better than sixth, but I,
1: that's just where I'd have to put him. He he might be as soft as a bag of milk or whatever you said earlier, but <laughs> softer than a bag of milk. I, I lost sleep after we did the point guards rankings because you had Chris Paul above Trey Home. <laughs>
0: Now, that was that was crazy, Luke.
2: That was crazy. I'd say right now, too,
1: not only would Trey Young be
2: higher, but Chris Paul would not be on that list. <laughs>
0: Which like, he, he wasn't even on <laughs> on mine. You didn't have to worry about that.
2: To be honest with you, like, dude, I'm I'm honestly – I'm considering having to take Aiden and Booker off of my, my five and two list, <laughs> respectively. Nobody on the funds deserves to be on any list. Of- <laughs> Shout out the 36ers! Oh yeah, hey. 36 gang.
0: Yeah, uh, I forgot the dude's name that just lit them up. Craig, <laughs> number twelve. Craig something. Oh, I can't think of his name. I feel bad. He's a legend. Um, but yeah, that's kind of a wrap on today's episode. our Positional rankings are done. Um, we got one more week of of a podcast before the regular season drops. The plan is to kind of we we have a panel. of of six guys uh in what we call our coast to coast brand and we're going to be doing a lot more on social media whenever the season starts but we've kind of developed lists of who we think are going to win the awards this year individual awards um whether that's you know your awards like mvp defensive player of the year we've listed all nba teams all defense all rookie we've all ranked the teams and how we think the standings are going to finish out the end of the year so we've got like our panels predictions And so the three of us are going to go over those with you. We're also going to talk about some of this Victor and Scoot stuff. And we're going to talk about how maybe we might have some sleepers in those picks as well. And then from that point forward, it is the NBA regular season. Uh, It's time, go. Yeah.
2: Westbrook, dude. Trade Russell Westbrook.
0: Yeah. So uh, sorry, again, that we had a small little hiatus, but we're back. Back every week now. And with that being said, this is the end of episode 27 of the Coast to Coast Podcast. See you guys next week.
1: Artlist.io.